At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Happy Cinco de Mayo, everyone. John, great to talk to you, even though I saw you for approximately 90 seconds while you were here. Today. <laughs> yes, and I've already left. Since, <laughs> since you last saw me, I've gotten on a plane to Phoenix. I've written a column and I even I slept for like a little bit, but I'm I'm punchy, man. So, OK, this, uh, well, this could let's... get this could get interesting. So we got to talk playoffs a, a ton, of course, but I think a lot of the meat of what we do here is front office related, relying on, on your expertise from seven years with the Memphis Grizzlies. And during those seven years, you drafted one Dylan Brooks, pretty damn good draft pick, if I say so, 45th overall. Uh-huh. Thank you. And then we had unprecedented reporting a couple of days ago from your colleague Chomstrania that Dylan Brooks will not be brought back under any circumstances with the Memphis Grizzlies. What do you think of that? It's interesting because it's a stylistic departure from how they have operated um, under Zach Kleiman in particular. And and so it makes you wonder. And well, so how a stylistic departure in what sense? In that they they've operated in a way where they're not going to foreclose options like that two months ahead of time. Like when you say under any circumstances, you're saying that even if even if there were no trade options and no free a, free agent options, you wouldn't re-sign him to a one year deal overpriced just just so you could use him to trade later. So at that point, I don't think you're. I don't think you're thinking like a front office person anymore. Um, you're you're coming at it from a different perspective, and so it makes you wonder if it was a different person. If you get my drift, if this if this was coming from someplace else. Ah, yes, okay, I, I do. I mean, just having been through these exit meetings, you discuss with these guys a little bit what you know what the summer might be like, what their plans are, or whatever. But with the free agents, you kind of say, you know, look, you you got to make some choices. We got to make some choices. Like everyone understands the game and everyone understands it's not being played in the first week in May yet. Um, so I'm trying to think if there was a time in my seven years where with the free agent, we were just like, yeah, you're not coming back. Like I, I, just, I just don't ever remember a situation like that. Um, there might have been one where where there was a guy where we were like, we we think you're probably going to get paid more than we can afford to pay you, and we're going to be really sad when you're gone. 
but I can't think of anything like that where it was just like, yeah, we're we're not going to bring you back no matter what. Like I, it's it's just such an early time to rule that type of thing out, you know. And then for it to be reported that way as well, which in my recollection is completely unprecedented. Yeah, because it wasn't it wasn't just you know, <laughs> I mean we've se- we've seen some pretty. Uh, What's, what's the word for it? Uh, like with coaching situations, let's say, you know, the mutual parting of ways, right? Where where even even though things were pretty uh, heated at the end in some cases, there was, there was like the mutual parting of ways press release. And this, for whatever reason, did not end up as one of those. Yeah, I think the article said something along the lines that like both sides realize it's time for a change or, or whatever. But that's... Yeah, uh, that's even kind of window dressing. And you, you can compare that tenor to another of your colleagues, Tim Cato, wrote a, a postmortem on this Mavs season. And one of the things that was said there is that it, uh, Christian Wood is not expected to be retained. Right. Usually it'll be, yeah. that'll be the kind of verbiage, which is just like, hey, we're not going to offer this guy like some big contract that he's looking for. Yeah. To where we feel like we would be competitive. and uh, But, hey, you know, like for, for them to be like, for this to get out where it's like, oh, yeah, if he had no market, we wouldn't bring him back for the minimum even. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So m- my theory had been that you wanted to just let everyone else in the organization know that he's he's not going to be back. And that you can just kind of turn the page from him emotionally and that this also just kind of sets the tone. But I think I like your theory that perhaps uh, reading between the lines of what you said, you can confirm or deny this or not comment as you see fit. But that this is the owner saying like, hey, like we're this has been like a clown show, like we're not doing this anymore. And, And particularly... I don't think that this would be as much of an issue if they didn't also have the issue with John Morant during the season as well. And so I think there's definitely something to be said for the idea that they need at least somewhat of a cultural reset, but they like the coach, so they're not going to move on from him. And so that moving on from Dylan Brooks seems like the next best way to do that. However, you got into this very well in your column. Uh, Who's who's replacing him exactly? Exactly. (laughs) It's going to be hard. Uh, the the one guy you could see them maybe going after is Bruce Brown, who who has a you know an, yeah. an opt out. Who, in quite frankly, maybe you could argue would hit, hit an open three better than Dylan Brooks at this point. Yeah, uh, would would certainly give him more uh, more secondary ball handling. Um, but th- they've really struggled with finding somebody who is that three three point five. I call him. Uh, Somebody who's in that size profile where they can guard threes and fours and kind of switch between them and and like Brooks is a little shorter than that. He's he's almost a pure three or a two three to me. And we know they targeted Bridges. They had some conversations about Ananobi. Uh your your mileage may vary about how far that went and what they were willing to offer, depending on who you talk to. Uh they've certainly tried to draft for it. Repeatedly, right? Uh, when you look at Williams and Roddy and Laravia, uh, so they've they've been trying. There was the Justice Winslow experiment. It's a known that they need to fill that. They haven't they haven't had any success there at all. So this this offseason, I think that has to be the target. Yeah, I I don't 
I mean, I, I guess they can try to find someone. Danny and I have started doing our free agent rankings, and per usual, the market for players uh, like this is quite limited, and they don't necessarily have the scratch to go after like a, a Jeremy Grant, who maybe in retrospect is someone, given how it, poorly it worked out with Brooks, that they should have gotten into that the market for him and beaten that Blazers offer. Potentially, like he would be a pretty good fit there. Um, but like guys like Kuzma, even Harrison Barnes, probably be out of their price range. And I think you mentioned that Brooks size wise is you know a two point five, but he showed starting in the playoffs last year, and then I think throughout this season that he could switch on to guys like Carl Anthony Towns or Zion Williamson, and he gives you so much steam versatility. Like if they want to switch, he can do that. Yeah. He could probably bump with just about any big in the league. And that kind of physical style can be very annoying for those players. But he can also just do the, hey, you're just going to go guard this guy for the entire game yeah. as well. So he's got even, and he's probably better at it even than this guy was, but similar to Clay Thompson where he doesn't really make a ton of plays, but he can either play that conventional pick and roll defense style or he can switch. And that is extremely valuable if he could just... I mean, all of this, like, talking shit and all that and, like, not being able to back it up, like, that's that sure, certainly is bothersome. But, like, if he wasn't just being left, like, so wide open that his offense was negating his defense, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. He would – they would just be trying to reset him. And it's really – it's really a new thing. I mean – that Utah series two years ago, he was he was the it was him and Morant like those were the weapons, and he's he's just struggled a lot with the outside shot, and teams have become more daring about conceding it to him. You know his mentality better than most. Do you feel that because he's kind of been asked to throttle back? on offense some that that mentally has kind of messed with his offense that when when they're like hey just take the open shot and then you know or maybe dribble in against a closeout when they're not running as much through him because i mean let's let's not forget his usage last year when his on off numbers were awesome his usage is like 28 and granted he's never been the most efficient guy but he scored fine and then even in that warriors series was kind of when the first time that he had some issues hitting shots and was being left wide open but even that game six against the Warriors he was hitting shots pretty well he had 30 in that game and then this year all of a sudden he's shooting 30 percent from three and and getting left completely wide open so you think it's kind of a mental thing where he's just like well I this is how I play and now I'm in my own head because I've been told like hey don't create as much I, I do wonder about that because it's it's just like it is such an edit this like attacking aggressive mentality he has so I I do wonder if that was just very uncomfortable for him because of that. And then at this at the same time though, for him to be for him to contribute at a high level to an elite team, he probably does need to figure out that balance where he can where he can scale it back more because realistically on a team that good, he's going to be the fourth or fifth best offensive player if he's yeah. if he's if he's starting. I mean, if he's coming off the bench, I guess that's something different, but yeah, no, I think that's right. And, and on a regular season team, you, of course, can get away with that more. And this is a Grizzlies team that has higher ambitions. And maybe that's the thought of why they feel they need to go in another direction in addition to the, the interpersonal stuff. Let's talk about what took place uh, in Milwaukee. Incredibly disappointing exit. And now, indeed, Mike Budenholzer has been relieved of his coaching duties. I talked about this pretty extensively yesterday on Dunked on Prime. So I, I'm not going to share that much of my thoughts, but definitely wanted to get yours on the Bucks moving on from Mike Budenholzer. I think there's an underlying assumption that is about to get load tested. Uh, 
which is that, oh, surely we'd win just as many games with a different coach and then we'd be better in the playoffs. I think he did a lot of stuff to optimize some flawed slash limited guys around Giannis and make them seem better. And that in some cases, those flaws were revealed in the playoffs where it was really maybe the fact that the team had overachieved in the regular season. I mean, that was definitely the case with him in Atlanta too. Um, But you look at Brooke Lopez in particular, like what he did with Brooke Lopez was unbelievable. Like he completely maxed out what Brooke Lopez could be to me. But that maxing out of him was necessarily limited to, okay, we're going to play this type of coverage and do it this way. And that's we're gonna ha- how we're going to max you out. But there might be a certain team that comes along that is just checkmate and we can't do anything against that. And I feel like Miami was a little bit that way. Yeah, maybe so. And we never really got to see them play against that full-strength Brooklyn team a couple of years ago. And I think Boston, to some degree as well, was a, a team that was difficult to guard that way. But they didn't have another option roster-wise other than just playing Brook Lopez. Like, he's one of their four best players. Like, he just had to play. There wasn't a wing that they could put out there to play differently. So I would maybe point a little bit to some of the limitations of their roster, but... They're, they also just couldn't score in the half court, and maybe they needed something a little bit different there. I got you know, Danny made this point yesterday. You said the underlying assumption is that they'll be just as good in the regular season. I don't know that anyone knows that. They might even say, hey, we don't know that we're going to get a coach who's going to be as good in the regular season, but they figured out how to play now with Brook Lopez, right? Like, I don't think Brook Lopez is going to immediately regress back to who he was with the Lakers in 2017-18 because Bud is gone. Like, they have this institutional knowledge of the things that work, and mm-hmm. so maybe there's a hope that you can then build on that with someone who's a little bit more of a playoff tactician and that that's i think yeah there's certainly some risk here but there's probably also an understanding that we've gone as far as we can with bud so we might as well make the change and then of course there's the emotional aspect too which we're not as privy to but you'd have to figure that if Giannis didn't want this change he didn't not want this change uh i would you see that that was what i was going to get to next yeah yeah that to some degree Giannis, I don't think Giannis pushed him out. I don't think he's wired like that. But he didn't. He didn't go down kicking and screaming on this either. I don't think. Right. So, so that that's an interesting part of this. And it does seem to me like if you're making this change, you're not doing it to hire Bud's number one assistant as your new coach, right? Like you're going in a different direction. One would think so. Is there anyone out there that you like for them? Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor 
for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, womenswear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John and Benedict use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the POS. It was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War I battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media. Get great hardware that fits your business, accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase, easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level. Today, that's shopify.com slash PER. You wonder about Nick Nurse there. I mean, you talk about a playoff tactician, right? Who is going to do some some other things that might not be as optimal, but when you get when you get to April, May, June, maybe maybe he's the guy who can who can make those adjustments that where they've been lacking. Um if if Ty Lu comes free from the Clippers, I think he'd be really interesting. Well, he's hasn't it been essentially said that he's going to be back? Are you, you questioning that? I d- I, I think it's more likely than not that he's back. I'm just everything regarding the Clippers just feels like not a hundred percent nailed down right now. Fair, fair, and uh, yeah, I guess uh, we we talked about how Kawhi and George are extension eligible again, and how, how crazy that is. There, yeah, Ty Lue would be the guy that I actually would point to as being really good there potentially. But there's also the possibility, like, do you, can they, are they the best opening right now? That's another question, given the uncertainty with Lopez and Middleton as free agents and the fact that Giannis can extend in September. But the, I, I don't know if he really, it would make sense for him to do that right now. I would say probably not. So is there a chance that maybe not right at the start of the season, but that you end up getting Silas after a year? I mean, there's, you come yeah. in there, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I think that that first year you definitely have a good team because I'm sure they'll re-sign their guys, their core You're guys. You're sure anyway. they'll re-sign their guys, huh? Uh, okay, 
I actually am not sure they would re-sign Chris Middleton. I think if he gets a nutty offer, they might not match that, and they might go a different direction. I but got, so what is that direction? I, uh, like, I, who can they, they get to replace him? Dylan Brooks. Um, they, <laughs> they, I, I mean, and I'm sorry, I, I, I'm asking all these rhetorical questions. I don't know the answer to them either, but yeah. like they're in a really difficult spot right now. Yes, they are. Uh, because they may not be good enough now. You don't want to give these guys these awful contracts to where you're locking in to a team that may not be good enough now, but then you're also would other than that, you're taking a major step back and that's no good either. So it just, you're really, none of their courses of action to me are particularly appealing right now. I, I think you have to look at it and say Giannis Holiday Lopez is a really good team. And you don't, the incremental value of paying Chris Middleton like $40 million versus the alternatives that you might be able to do with that money I, I I think you just gotta take take the L on that one and move on. If he if somebody makes him a wackadoo offer, you just you just gotta take the L. So let's say they don't have Chris Middleton on the roster. That puts them still over the cap. Yeah, you're Probably, looking at yeah MLE money. You know, can you do it? Can you do a send a second round pick and make it a sign and trade and then take money back into that exception? Uh, it's it's still a little bit of a. Uh, of, of a dance for them. Full bird rights on Jay Crowder. Oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing. I, I'm just not sure who it is. Like, you might say, okay, if we could get like Jeremy Grant or Kyle Kuzma, but those guys, you, you have to pay them too, of course. And we, we've we seen this team without Chris Middleton not be anywhere close to good enough offensively in the playoffs last year against the Celtics. And that's their big, even with Middleton, they failed offensively this year. So I, I don't know what you do at this point. And they better just pray. Uh, number one, I'd be praying that James Harden goes back to Houston for a couple of reasons if I'm then <laughs> both to weaken Philly and also because then they wouldn't have the scratch to sign Middleton and there isn't necessarily an obvious mm. landing point for him. I know Kelly Eco has talked about Middleton as, as someone that the Rockets might go after. Oof. Yeah, I, I don't know what to do. And so that nurse to me is a, I think the playoff tactician thing would be solved, but he's not someone that you think is like going to fix their half court offense. Now he might ramp up the aggression, maybe could force a few more turnovers and get their defense, get their offense a little bit better because their defense is now better as well. But forcing turnovers, that's not a, a great look necessarily in the postseason either nurse already kind of failed as an emotional leader in toronto this year and if that's you're trying to get more of that which buds isn't necessarily buds like strongest suit mm -hmm. so are so nurse like checks some boxes but not others and I, right. i'm not sure frank vogel i don't think there is the perfect candidate out there what, what so you, yeah that'll be fascinating to see what happens what, what do you think of frank vogel there yeah, just not another guy who's not really known as an offensive guy. I, I think he's competent. I, I don't think he's – I thought he did a nice job with the Lakers. It, that might also just be as good as they can get right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and the hilarious idea of Bud maybe going to Toronto also. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Where he was in the, he was in the mix of, in theory in, in uh, 2018 before they the Bucks got him and, and they hired Nurse. Okay, let's get into these playoffs now. Okay. We were at games one and two, Lakers, Warriors. What's your overall feeling on that series going forward now? Uh, I'd probably go slight advantage Warriors. I mean, the Lakers got their one game, so they did what they needed to do. And then they, 
let's say that was not a concerted effort to to take game two by the Lakers, right? <laughs> um, that that they kind of put it. That was that was like uh, Warriors game five against the Grizzlies last year territory. Uh, but I thought that playing Jamichael really stretched out the Lakers on defense and and really added to the to the taxation on Anthony Davis where they're already playing him too many minutes and I I think they're just the the hits are kind of kind of keep coming here the series is every other day there's no extended rest LeBron he made more jump shots yesterday but he still has not been that guy and I think he has to be that guy for the Lakers to get three more wins in this series realistically and otherwise particularly defensively yeah and I mean, I, I think, I mean, they sucked on offense too yesterday. They need more. And without a lot of shooting, they need, they need to be pretty overpowering in the paint area. And he's a big part of that when he's, you know, when he's peak LeBron and not whatever he's been since the injury. Yeah. The first game defied my expectations because the Lakers until the last five minutes of the game actually were really good on offense. And the problem was that the Lakers came into that game playing this series and the Warriors came into this that game playing the Sacramento series and they just didn't pack the paint enough. They completely adjusted their approach in game two with Draymond on AD. His pick and roll defense was awesome. And then you had Moody, you had DiVincenzo crashing in from the weak side to take away that pocket pass to Davis. And so I, I will say that game two is more what I thought the series would look like defensively for the Lakers or defensively for the Warriors against the Lakers offense. And so that to me is is going to be, the Lakers need to solve that somehow. But then also, I thought that game two was way worse defense than I ever expected to see from the Lakers in this. And yeah, the Warriors still shot the shit out of the ball, but the Warriors got to the rim a ton. And James was, didn't do anything as a rim protector. AD didn't have nearly the same level of effort either. And so the two things that I'm going to point to now is going forward. Number one, what level of effort are AD and LeBron going to be able to bring defensively? And of course, the Warriors spacing them out a little bit more and putting the ball in Steph's hands. I think all that was kind of obvious adjustments that they should have just been doing in game one, but whatever. And then what can the Lakers guards do against the Warriors guards? Poole is going to average uh, 5.9 fouls per game in the series. <laughs> and then uh, Steph as well, who even has had a little bit of trouble with Russell. And Austin Reeves really hasn't got going in this series at all. So Schroeder, Reeves, Russell, those guys I think are really going to have to do it offensively for the Lakers. And I think we'll see more games that are kind of defensive struggle. I think the Lakers will defend a lot better at at least one of the games at Staples. So those are the variables, and I don't know how it's going to work out. I do feel it's advantage Warriors also. You want to see, unlike the Knicks, if the team does lose game one at home because it's such a favorable situation, you expect them to just blow them out in game two. If I, I am very worried about the Knicks because with no Jimmy, they still barely won game <laughs> right? two in the situation where they always, the home team always blows them. Yeah, it's 15 in a row now that the home team has won game two after they lose game one at home. Oh, yeah. And like the average margin of victory after the, these two blowouts by the Celtics and Warriors, it's got to be at like over 15 now, I would guess. Wow. What uh, uh what yeah. what five players are the Lakers best lineup against this team? 
Like if the if if the Warriors are going to play Jamichael Green, the Lakers to me need to take Jared Vanderbilt off the floor and put another player out there who can stress Jamichael Green defensively. This would be my starting five for the Lakers, but they're not going to do it. Schroeder, Reeves, Hachimura, LeBron, and AD. Because I like that's a if you get Schroeder out there, he can guard stuff to start. You put Reeves on Clay. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you play Russell and Hachimura together and LeBron and AD, toast. So one, yeah, yeah, you, you, one of those guys has to guard Steph or Clay, and that's just not going to work. We saw Hachimura get lit up by Clay at the end of the the first half when they tried that, so that's not going to work. So, and I think Hachimura, the way he's shooting the ball and his size. He's also got some nice isolation ability on the other end. Uh, if they want to just give LeBron AD a break and just throw it to Hachimura in the post and, and see what happens there. So I, I think that's that's how I would start, but I, they're going to start Russell. So maybe I would close games with that if Hachimura is going well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think, but to me though, Schroeder, Reeves, LeBron AD all got to be out there. And then I guess one of Russell and Hachimura because they're if they play Vando they're just not going to have enough spacing yeah and it's unfortunate because he did I mean he did an amazing job on Steph in game one uh cooled off in game two certainly the other guy that I'm kind of wondering might need to be out there a little more you're gonna retch a little bit I think Troy Brown Jr. He's good defensively. He made the one three-pointer that he's taken. I, he would have to make so many shots to get the Warriors out of packing the paint, which they've now actually realized that they should do. <laughs> the, the general I, shooting question for the Lakers, I think, is just an overriding thing in this series that is going to be really tough for them to overcome. They really are just one shooter short. Like As you say, if, especially if you take Russell – off who has shot 41% from 3 since he since the trade so like he's he's their best floor spacing option even though he does other stuff that drives you crazy but once you take him off the floor then like then you almost have to play Hachimura right just to get some shooting out there um cuz Schroeder like Schroeder's okay but like you're you're going to live with him shooting at the end of the day so it yeah. it just gets really tough for that for that math to work, especially with, I mean, the one thing for the Lakers is I think they thought they were answering some of that shooting question when they got Beasley from Utah, and he has just sucked. Yeah, and it's really more of a defensive issue, but it, he hasn't hit shots uh, as well either. Uh, in fact, I, I think the best game that he played might have been at Warriors, which he started like right after the trade. But yeah, it, it, that's that's been the fact that he they deem him not to be playable, and that's going to be interesting too. He's got that team option for sixteen million, and he hasn't played it all in the playoffs. That'll be interesting to look at. Uh, yeah, and I think the Lakers just a little bit more intentional on offense. But the problem is, like, like, if LeBron, he just has to be so judicious with his effort right now. If he could be going it at Steph or Poole and pick and roll, like, how many times has that happened in the first two games? Like, three total? (laughs) Right? (laughs) And so maybe it's Schroeder or Russell going at Poole, like, the... Because that's a good way for them to get to the free throw line is like these bullshit artist foul drawers that they have a guard going up against someone like Poole or Steph who are, can foul a fair amount, particularly Poole. Um, let's uh, let's talk about a few of the, the categories we like to look back on here. Okay. Who's the best team right now? Who's your favorite to win the championship? I'm still going to go with Boston. Although I will say the Denver Nuggets are making a case for themselves. Surely. They look really good, and the thing that has impressed me most is 
their level of connectedness on the defensive end on on some of these sequences has been frankly unbelievable in the Phoenix series. Just how they've been able to take things away without leaving themselves exposed on the weak side, and their guys at the two, three, and four, they have great defenders. They they have three good defenders on the floor, no matter what, at all times at the two, three, and four. The way the rotation is now, and. There's just nothing to take advantage of there. It's amazing. Yeah, and I would say this Phoenix team maybe isn't equipped to do that, but I, I I will own up to the fact that I still picked Phoenix in the series. And hey, if Chris Paul doesn't get injured in game two, perhaps we're talking about a 1-1 series now and things are much different. But with Paul out, I think that's at this point, you know, this is looking like a, a five-gamer and maybe this is getting a little ahead of ourselves here. But how many coaching changes are we at now? Uh, so I was going to mention this to you. I set the bar at seven. We're at four right now. Okay. We still got a couple more situations to play out here. Let's just say. So Uh, if they lose in four or five games, you have to believe Monty's probably going to be gone. Well, with the new owner there and with the increased pressure of the KD trade, I I think there's a good chance of that. Now, uh, and in particular because they had such a collapse last year. You know, if they had just lost in seven in the conference finals to the Warriors or something, but with this being two incredibly disappointing exits in a row, I feel for Monty because it's clear that his and i think he could be doing some things differently sure but this team just hasn't had the time to build the chemistry that's necessary and it's in stark contrast to what you were talking about with how connected the nuggets look on both ends but particularly defensively and phoenix just doesn't have the collective experience to adjust and attack the things that are yeah and but we've also seen in this series i think a little bit Using Durant as a as a playmaker has its limitations. Like you, you've seen him as a as a as a passer, especially he's missing guys or making throwing soft passes, and the defense yeah. can rotate. He in time. needs good spacing. He need he's never been like a great passer. He's gotten yeah. a lot better, but he needs some predictability. He needs comfort within the system, and yeah. they don't have that. And also, it's tough to play make for Josh Kogan. <laughs> Why are you dealing on my guy, man? That's your guy? I, I've always liked Josh Kogi since Georgia Tech. Me too. I, I I thought, I mean, he was a good signing. He's yeah. also not a playoff starter. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Certainly not if you're playing a, a big center and a, a point guard who doesn't shoot spot up threes. Well, Cameron Payne will shoot spot up threes. Uh, if, I, I don't know, if, it, I don't know if any of them will go in, but he'll shoot them. <laughs> At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, honey, you know your dad's world-famous chili. Yeah, the one that takes 24 hours to make. So I was trying to help out and bring the pot to the table, but it was, like, super hot. And then I, um, dropped it, and now the floor looks all, you know, stained with chili. Look, the point is, you guys cool with pizza for dinner? (laughs) Honey? Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. How how do you think they should adjust? Do they start paying? Do they go another direction? And what do, what do you think their best lineup is now with CP presumably out for quite some time here? 
It's tough, man. That this team they're playing is good. Um, they they just they can punish you in so many ways. Um, I want. I mean, if you play Booker on the ball, if you start Craig and Okoge, that's your most that's your best chance of getting stops on defense. I just don't know if you're going to score enough. It's crazy. We're talking about the Phoenix Suns in a series with Denver, and we're like, can they score enough? But that's that's where we're at. Could you play Damian? I mean, their defense was easily good enough to win in game two. And the Nuggets had a crazy shooting game, mostly through Murray in game one. And they're going to do that. But I don't know that there's much they could have done defensively that was going to change that. Like this, the way they're playing with KD kind of hanging out on the back line and, and protecting the rim. Like, I think that's been pretty good. So I, I would be going all offense here if I were them. Would you you'd play like Lee or Shamit to get enough shooting out there? Lee, I think beforehand, just because Lee will at least he'll at least execute defensively. Like, yeah, he's gonna he's not any good there, but and he's gonna make some timely cuts. Like he kind of play he plays hard. Just he just has like an understanding how to play basketball. I thought they were starting to find something in game two with him as the fifth beetle, and then Paul went down and it all went to shit after that. But uh, like they were getting pretty good looks in the third quarter and end of the second when they had him out there just running spread pick and roll and actually having the spacing to do something against the Nuggets so yeah I I would just lean all the way into offense just hope that like KD and Aiden can do enough defensively and you got to just make Booker and KD's life easier on the offensive end I think that's their only way because I like putting these defensive guys out there it's like they're not really any better anyway right like they're they're I I I mean I guess they're stopping them okay but it's just you got to figure out a way to score like you can't just have KD and Booker trying to bludgeon their way through an isolation on every session yeah you saw uh Monty's nightly bench lottery uh that he was mentioned playing Terrence Ross and TJ Warren in game three. Oh, he mentioned that yes yeah, Warren, I, I I mean, I guess there's a reason he's not playing, but like he can score some. Like, that's a, another thing they don't have, just someone who can cut, maybe get out in transition, just finish at the rim okay, uh, make an open shot. Like he's not much good defensively, but, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I don't think Terrence Ross is the answer. Like I think Lee is better than Terrence Ross, but because Ross is another guy who's just, like not only is Ross meat, but he's also just not going to execute on defense, which is <laughs> a bigger problem. Took Took the Suns quite a while to figure that out. Um, I, I mean, when I when we signed off yesterday, I cheekily mentioned that I thought the Warriors were the championship favorite after they had. Uh, well, that's actually after they won Game Five, then they lost Game Six, and won Game Seven. How are you feeling about them at this point? It's just you you think they would be? They just have too many hills to climb still to think about them that way. That's that's still where I am. I mean, we're they're. Five and four in the playoffs now. We're watching them play. It's a forty-four win team against a forty-three win team. I like. I, I think we just got to keep that in our in our heads a little bit. I don't know. Like, I, I it's going to get real interesting when they play Denver because I think that's going to go much differently than it went last year. But we'll see when they get out on the court. Yeah, and, and particularly with Denver having home court. Also, I, it depends how the rest of this series goes with Golden State and the Lakers. But I, I would very easily could see myself picking Denver in, the, in that series. And hey, the Lakers might still win anyway. Who would you rather face if you're Denver? You'd rather face Golden State or Lakers? Uh, tell me what version of LeBron I'm facing. I, I uh, actually... You're, well, you're facing the one who's good every other game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they won all three meetings against Golden State this year. They split four against the Lakers. Um not totally indicative, obviously, because there's things that happen in the regular season that don't happen in the playoffs. But 
I, I, I think Golden State is probably a better team than the Lakers right now. I do wonder if I would rather play Golden State if I was Denver. I, I, I just think with those big, all those big wings they have, they're pretty well equipped, I think, to to chase Golden State around the perimeter and get contests. Even you know, it, it's so hard when you ask a guard to come down to come around a screen on his own and get a contest. Their guys are athletic enough that they can pull it off, like on some of those clay plays with Looney or whatever. Like if if Joker doesn't get out there, those guys are good enough to rear view contest and at least impact the percentages. And then I do I do think like Joker last year against Golze offensively, like he was fantastic. Like I I, I don't think that was a problem. After the first two games. Okay. Well, actually, I think he had a bad game in game five, too, but he was dealing with like a hamstring issue. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's still going to be, it's still going to be a challenge, but that with Murray cooking the way he is, I think they can maybe get some, get some profit going after Steph, going after Poole. Uh, Porter is such a weapon out there. I, I just, I just really like the way Denver is, is playing right now, too. I, that peak version of the Lakers still worries me a little that like if they could get to that, I guess I should be worried about that with the Warriors too, right? But that LeBron AD bubble level, you're not be- you're not beating that. That that's still that's still like that's the Lakers' whole premise, right? Is if we can get back to that version of LeBron and that version of AD, we we just need three average players out there with them and we can beat anyone. Sorry, I misspoke. Actually, Jokic was was pretty good in that game five. Just everyone else was terrible <laughs> for for the Nuggets last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I would rather play the Lakers. I think if I'm the Nuggets, because I I don't know if the Lakers can really score on the Nuggets that well, and I don't think that LeBron and AD can bring it consistently enough. And, and you're a little worried maybe that AD guards Jokic pretty well, but I don't know that he guards them necessarily better than Draymond. And I think just yeah. the Steph Curry is the one guy that really messes them up because he. You set the screen at half court, and now Jokic is just really struggling there. So I, I think that's at this point. Yeah, you're scared of peak LeBron and AD. I'm more scared of peak Steph Curry at this point. But okay, let's uh, let's talk a, a few more here. Uh, best coaching job so far. I mean, we, we still have the end of the first round that we can talk about a little bit too. Beginning of the second round, where we have two series in the book so far, or two games in the book in all four series now. Anything that's really stood out to you there? I mean, Spolstra, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we said we, I mean, when we did our coaches, he was number one. He's, he's showing why, right? Like, he's pulling out all the stops here. No, he's been absolutely fantastic. And we'll see how the rest of this series goes, but I think he's one of their biggest advantages. Obviously, Butler is that too. And I think Darvin Ham has done a pretty darn good job so far finding the right buttons to push in terms of the rotations. And I thought the Lakers had a really, really good plan in game one that the Warriors just weren't ready for. Like they, they really attacked the Warriors weaknesses a ton in that game one. And I think he also understands where his team is in terms of just not necessarily being able to bring it every game and kind of just being okay with that. And (laughs) just like we we need just the series is over when one team wins four times and it doesn't matter how many you lose by in the games that you lose. So that's with the roster that he has. I think that's a, a pretty good philosophy. So, yeah, I, I think he's been fantastic. I think like Mike Braun was really good through six games in that series. 
I think in game seven, I mean, they lost by 20, so it's hard to put it on the coach, but certainly they could have done more from a rebounding standpoint. They could have done more against Steph Curry rather than just letting him blow by guys in isolation for layups every time down. Uh, And with, with when Steph Curry takes 38 shots and nobody else shoots well for the entire team, like you probably didn't do a good enough job in that game seven. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Steve, Steve Kerr has had a good playoffs overall, I would say. Yeah, I'd say his actions haven't been great, but his reactions have been fantastic. Well, I mean, I thought he had the right call right from the go going to Jermichael Green in this series. Yeah, that, that's fair. It is it is disappointing that they just can't get anything out of Jonathan Kaminga, who actually was effective for them during the regular season this year, that they just decided after he played eight minutes and four minutes. And I think he played a little bit in game three of, of that series. And I thought he was actually okay in game three. Mm-hmm. They just decided like he just sucks and he can't play. <laughs> like, you would have He's... thought based on his regular season that he would have earned a little more rope than that. But it's also tough because they were down 0-2 and now they're down 0-1 against the, uh, the Lakers. And they're, they've just been constantly behind the eight ball. What do you think about him? More or less going to Moody over DiVincenzo now. Like it, oh, DiVincenzo it, did play. I, Dante I did play, but yeah. I mean, Moody's coming into games first now. Like it's 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 interesting, right? Yeah, Moody is. I, I think he's really more the Divin or the uh, the Kaminga replacement. He's playing really more of like a three, even some four. He's guarding LeBron some last night. Mm-hmm. I think it's really been more of that. Uh, and DiVincenzo, it's kind of he and Peyton kind of toggle back and forth. Yeah, Moody even uh, yeah, because Peyton didn't didn't play until garbage time last night, right? Oh no, 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 that's not true. He played the last possession of the third quarter, zero seconds. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then was because they threw that was when they threw the pass all the way down to the other end, and then had to in the Warriors got to inbound in the exact same spot <laughs> under their own basket. Peyton was on the floor for that. It was very very exciting. It's rare that a guy will play, but play technically zero seconds. Wow. <laughs> technically correct is the best kind of correct, John. Yes. Don't forget that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, uh, any other, like, coaching stuff that stood out to you? I mean, can we get some respect for Michael Malone? Absolutely. 100%. I, I think they've 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 schemed uh, Phoenix beautifully. And we've seen some of Phoenix's weaknesses come to the fore, too. But I think just there was a real understanding of what they would be okay living with. That DeAndre Ayton might take 20 jump shots, and that's totally fine. And But here, here's the things we're going to take away. Here's where Booker and Durant may score, but they're going to be scoring over numbers or with Aaron Gordon draped all over them or whatever. And... And that was how they're going to play. And then the other thing he's done really well is he's gotten to a workable rotation with this team who has for years now gotten their asses kicked whenever Jokic checks out of the game. And now they've made it work where the the brown-brown-green unit comes in and they're fine. They put Jeff Green at five. They switch everything. Again, they're still rock solid at two, three, four defensively. So there's no rim protection, but they didn't have rim protection when Jokic was in the game either. So they hardly noticed the difference, right? Great point. And I would also say defensively, 
going to a drop coverage on Chris Paul, but then Jokic in more of kind of a catch coverage uh, when it's KD or Booker uh, to say, yeah, Chris Paul, we're going to see if you can beat us with mid-rangers. We don't think you're the same guy from two years ago. And until he went down, he was not really doing that and just not guarding the right guys. Like they've just been perfectly locked in on every son's weakness and they've had the experience and togetherness uh, that they're able to execute exactly what they want to do defensively. I mean, worst coaching gob, I guess we we probably don't have to pile on Mike Budenholzer any further at this point. And uh, yeah, I think we can give Doc Rivers, just take his best player off the floor, and all of a sudden he turns into the best coach. In the NBA. <laughs> right? <laughs> that was a wild game. Uh, it was. I, I think as this series goes on, it's going to be harder and harder to play P.J. Tucker, and I just don't know how the Sixers respond to that. I thought he was good. He was really important in game one, but it's, yeah, with Joel out there, it maybe gets a little more difficult. He, he might, was really important in game one because the Celtics were pretending that he might actually score. Like, I, yeah. I, I just I just felt like that's, if, if he's going to come set a screen, just put two on the ball and just live with whatever happens after that because he's just so limited offensively now. Yeah, I think they just got, the Celtics got screwed up because James Harden just was a monster in game one, and they just weren't expecting him to play that way, which is fair, given that yeah. he hasn't played that way in three years. And he was just incredible. And then, of course, was 2 of 14 in the next game. <laughs> well, James Harden so. beating them from the, from the mid-range, too. How about that? Harden deserves a lot of credit for how he's evolved this game, actually. In DeMar DeHarden. He knows he can't. I'm sorry? DeMar DeHarden. <laughs> And I, I was calling for him to do like just a little more of this when he was in Houston for the teams that really were locked in on taking away the step back and, and yeah had good weren't gonna follow him and had good rim protection and Harden just realizing that he can use his body to get to a very high percentage shot in that mid range area was has been a nice adjustment. He's also just actually shooting three pointers off the catch and even coming off screens occasionally, which remember in Brooklyn, it was like he had this weird thing. He just like could not take a spot up three pointer. Like he would just every time it he was, caught the ball, he would just dribble the moment yeah. he got it, even if there's no one in the same zip code. It was, it was like there was a rule against it. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> but he he's worked hard to to fix that. At Bet three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today any really uh, any players really surprised you in this last week or so christian braun has held up so well defensively i mean he took the ball from kd three times in uh was it game one or game two i think think it was was game game one one. he had seven turnovers yeah um so I'd, i'd say that's been a really pleasant surprise 
My guy, Beatball Paul, 1-0 as a starter. Uh, yeah, that would be a great one, actually. He, I thought, particularly in the second half, his defense really was pretty useful and mobilities. Uh, the four straight free throws... That was found money. Yeah, definitely. Is he a, is he like actually a good free throw shooter? I I, I don't think so. I <laughs> <laughs> like and it was just it wasn't even coming close to hitting the rim. It was just per, four perfect switches. Just, just cash. Just right. cash. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the the one thing I do did want to see from him a little more uh as as that game went on you could really like he was whiffing on a lot of screens man like you just yeah. like can you just make contact with the guy 66 percent career foul shooter by the way okay three seasons Dennis shooter is someone who has impressed me this yes. season for because his guy de- who's available for the minimum and his defense in the past has always been kind of comes and goes or whatever He's been really locked in in these playoffs. He was really good in the Memphis series. And again, uh, you know, in game one, nobody for the Lakers was good last night. But in game one of this series, I thought he was again. Yeah, and he, he's his quickness is enough to maybe give the Warriors a little bit of trouble. But hey, he's irritated Steph Curry. He's drawn push-off fouls on Steph Curry two games in a row. And he's now Steph was great last night, and they had some good stuff dialed up to deal with his pressure. But it, for that to be something that you have to deal with, the, that's pretty good. And let's see, who else is... I mean, Hachimura is another one where he's shooting like 55% from three yeah, for the playoffs. he's been playing out of his mind. Yeah, that's been... You're right. That's probably one of the biggest surprises of the playoffs performance-wise when you compare to what the guy gave in a regular season. Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, those guys suddenly turning into the same guys that they were in last year's playoffs. Yeah. As opposed to the guys they were in the regular season. And that's why Miami is all of a sudden almost as good maybe as they were in last year's playoffs. Yeah. I mean, Gabe Vincent is such an interesting guy because he – he rarely actually has the hot hand, but he always plays like he thinks he has it. And in in a situation like this where you're down on shot creation, he actually I think helps you just because he's such an irrational confidence guy and then he, you know, then the defense starts treating him that way and whatnot. Uh, actually, Caleb Barton's had a really good playoffs too. Dun- Duncan Robinson exists again now. 70% true shooting for the playoffs. Yeah, not a big fan of guys named Duncan. Yeah, it's, it's a terrible first name, of course. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you could say maybe these guys are above their head, but they're also playing at levels that they have played at at various times in the past as well. And that's that's been huge. Kevin Love would have to be someone that you point to. Yes. Well. Yeah, those outlets in game one. My goodness. It changed the game. Like he was back in Minnesota. Let's see. Any, any other surprises, disappointments? I guess I'm just kind of generally slightly disappointed that the Knicks haven't been able to do, I don't know, be better <laughs> against Miami so far. Yeah, Ed, Ed, maybe they will. I mean, I know Randall's coming back from an injury too, so maybe it's a little unfair, but I just thought they should have had more of an advantage in this series than, than what it seemed like so far. I mean, I picked Miami, so I'm I'm not surprised by this. I, I think if you're talking disappointments, the entire Memphis and Cleveland teams have to be in there. But yes, I thought like Tyus Jones not being able to do anything. He was so whatsoever. bad. He he just could not make a he couldn't make a three. He couldn't make a layup. It was it was unbelievable. And uh, you know he's low key been pretty important for them. And to just take a total zero from that spot, I thought I thought that was a thing that really hurt them over the course of that. I mean, obviously, Brooks wasn't good. Um, 
Bain struggled with his shot a little bit. They had spacing issues. The paint was congested the whole time. But for for Jones, because he could be like a secondary floor spacer sometimes. And then the other thing was at the end of game one, they put him on Austin Reeves and he got cooked. So it, it was really at both ends that he had a poor series. And John Morant was 3 of 16 in game six. Uh, you know, uh, if we're talking about surprises, I don't know if surprise is the right word. Xavier Tillman really showed that he's, you know, after not playing all year, that he does enough defensively that he belongs on the court, even in a pretty high level game. He's, he has a lot of Kavon Looney-esque qualities. That's a great comparison. Yeah, he's not the same rebounder, but just a just a smart player, a really good defender, slightly undersized five, can finish some around the basket. He's going to have to play a lot for them next year, especially in the beginning of the year, I think, as Adam, Adams, they think, will be back for opening day, but Clark's going to be a while still with the Achilles. So I think he's shown he could be an important player for them next year. Uh, the best individual performance in a game, I think it's still got to be Butler's 56 in that game four. It's that or Curry's game seven, right? That would be the other one. Uh, I mean, Harden's game one was pretty fucking good too, man. Yes. Really, really good performances. AD's game one was unbelievable in this. Yes. This, uh, because because of how good he was at both ends. AD's game one against Memphis was really good too. Yeah, absolutely. That was the eight blocks, I think. Yes. It's just, it's unbelievable. Like, do you have any explanation for why AD is so inconsistent? Like, And this is, it's more the case now, I think, than ever, but it's always really been the case in his career. I guess we've talked about it, that it's just, he's more of a dependent guy, but it's Yeah, it's I, to remarkable. me, to me, it's the lack of self-created shots that, right. that just, just makes, makes him more of a, uh, higher, higher variance guy a little bit, um, that, that, so that would be my initial take, although I can't say I've studied it in depth. Um, I would also throw out Jokic's game two against Phoenix. Oh, my goodness. That was definitely yeah. a, oh, oh, you think you got the best player in the series? Uh, no, actually. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, and in a game where nobody else could make a shot. Exactly. All right. MVP of the playoffs probably still got to be Jimmy Butler, even though he missed that one game, right? Yeah, because... So AD would probably be the next guy, and I just, nah, he's I just too don't, many shit games, though. right? That's the problem. So I think it still has to be Jimmy number one. Wouldn't Curry be number two? It's between Curry and AD, you would say, right? Like, yeah, I mean, did he have an amazing series against Sacramento? Like, I think, I think AD's first round was better than Curry's. Maybe I, I, I well, I, that game seven was amazing, and I, I think you know no one else really had it going for Golden State in that series. And Curry, it wasn't he didn't have any nuclear games. But he was still like efficient, thirty points basically every game, except for um, except for I think game six was the only one where he really struggled. Uh, Jokic has to be in the discussion too. He didn't have a great series against Minnesota. Uh, Booker was unbelievable, but that was against yeah. a, kind of a bullshit team in the first. Exactly, round. but Booker's other. first round was incredible. But <laughs> yeah, that that wasn't like a real playoff team he was going against by the end there. And yeah, so I would, I would probably still have staff number two. Am I forgetting anybody? Uh, this guy is not in any kind of playoff MVP discussion, but. Tobias Harris is having a really good postseason. You almost think they should go to him more sometimes, right? But whenever he's had the event, like he's he's made the right plays, made some good passes. Where I'm like, oh, oh, okay, I didn't know you had that in you. 
Um, shot the ball well. It's just been really impressive. Yeah, now defensively, he's got a lot of pressure on him. And I think that he's he deserves a lot of credit for how well he's improved there. But he also is not the guy you want guarding Jalen Brown or, or Jason Tatum either. And, and on this team, he really has to do that. Uh, okay, I guess last category here before we go. Okay. The Crucible. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> who has withstood and who has turned to ash? Withstanding the crucible, Bruce Brown of the Denver Nuggets as a backup point guard and as a backup small forward. Yeah, guarding KD down the stretch of game two, allowing them to then uh, hide out Jokic along the baseline and have Aaron Gordon guard DeAndre Ayton. That, that's huge that he was able to hold up there and, and enough of an offensive threat. They're like running pick and roll with him and stuff, and it's like yeah. not been a disaster. Yeah, he's been an important part of that bench group. Uh, we, we've already really talked about Phoenix. It's been pretty clear that they have a lot of guys who are just not cutting it in this series. Yes. Kogi, Torrey Craig's really had his minutes get cut down. They're just they're looking for any answers that they can find. Landale, Biombo, yeah, yeah. It's been been a been a rough go there. I think Philadelphia. Thought they would be getting more from Jalen McDaniels by now. Yeah, I think he's had some defensive mistakes. They kind of, he doesn't really do much on offense other than just shoot three-pointers that are wide open. He doesn't quite have the explosiveness to be a force finishing around the basket. So I think he's a guy who could be useful during the regular season as a backup body at that wing position, but he's just a little bit too inconsistent. He's, he's better when you're playing up and down too. Oh, I'll give you a good crucible guy. How about Obi Toppin? Who, uh, as someone who's withstood? Yeah. Yeah, the way he can shoot the ball now is huge. They get up 11 three-point attempts in that game one. He's the only one who could hit a shot in their game one. And we haven't seen him go up against a team that is attacking him too much defensively. But with Randall there, they don't want to switch with Randall. So they got all the schemes in place to deal with him probably not being able to switch defensively either he helps juice their pace but i think the biggest thing is the fact that he now is the shooter that i think people projected him to be which he really wasn't his first exactly exactly i was really shocked when he was shooting all those air balls his rookie year because when i saw him in person at dayton i remember thinking to myself okay this this shot will translate he'll be able to stretch the floor and that'll that'll give him enough to to be a viable nba player now it's finally happening for him so uh Harrison Barnes kind of turned to ash by the end of that series, at least in Mike Brown's opinion. Yeah, they, yeah, it's, it's tough because sometimes guys like that, like you need them out on the floor, even if they're not doing much, just because having somebody who's 6'8 and as a threat and can guard fairly big players in the other team, you, you just need to get lineups with multiple guys like that out there. But yeah, not... Certainly not a series where you come back and say, this is why you should give me $20 million next year. Well, yeah, they thought apparently that Trey Lyles was better than him by the end. And maybe Trey Lyles is a little bit better of a three-point shooter. I really thought that Barnes was underutilized in that series. That this isn't how they want to play. He's not really part of their handoff game the way Keegan Murray, who withstood, by the way, after looking like he might be at. Yeah. 
early on in the series, although Steph Curry absolutely targeted him like crazy, but that's, that's also Steph Curry and they have no room protection behind him. So it's tough there. But, uh, but for Barnes, like they don't, he's not really part of the handoff game. It's just, they kind of just asked him to attack closeouts or hit open shots. I thought most of the times when he got into the post, against a smaller player it went pretty well he had this run where he got to the free throw line like three times in a row in the third quarter of game five and then they just never went back to that i thought they really could have mm-hmm. tried to put steph curry and particularly jordan Poole into difficulty a little bit more by going there and they just never did so i i don't i didn't really think barnes was playing like so terribly the rebounding was probably the biggest problem there uh he's never been a great rebounder but i, I, th- I think there's still I mean, maybe there are some things that I just was missing on the film about him defensively, but I, I thought he kind of got a raw deal to just be getting the Keith Bogans by the end of that series. Yeah, I I think you had a better feel for that series than than me. Um, it's he's he's an interesting one. Uh, a guy who's playing right now, who I think is in danger of getting crucibled, which is surprising to me because I didn't think he would, is Emmanuel Quickly. Well, I, I mean, he almost has really. He's just he's playing ten minutes a game as the backup point guard, and he was playing like high 20s I mean they just are not going with him and Brunson together at all and maybe there's just a feeling that that's too small quickly also just has not played well in the postseason I think is the other part of it and also the fact that Barrett has played well after those first two games in Cleveland you'd rather just have the superior size out there with him anyway so there hasn't been really a need or a chance for quickly to kind of play himself out of it other than just those pure backup point guard minutes for 10 minutes a game. Yeah. I'm trying to think of it. You know, the Warriors have had guys who've kind of been in and out of it, but I think a lot of that's just based on matchups, right? Like Gary Payton was out, then he was in, now he's out again because there isn't really a reason, a great like ball handler like a De'Aaron Fox to play him on and the Lakers could just stash AD on him. So he's out now, but DiVincenzo was out. Now he's in again because... He can still be like competent defensively, but actually hit shots and be more more of a ball handler. So this where and, and Jamichael Green was out. Now he's in again. Like there's uh, the different matchups uh, have been interesting, but I credit Steve Kerr for finding the right guys in theory to play. Moody was is another one, obviously surprising as we talked about. Okay, give me one more here, and then we'll we'll wrap up. Uh, do we want a good one or a bad one? <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll give you a guy we didn't really talk about much, I don't think. Sure. Onyeka Okongwu. What team does he play for? <laughs> they lost They lost in the play-in, right? They, they defeated the Miami Heat. They smashed them on the glass. <laughs> so you thought he was good? Yeah. I I, I actually thought – I thought a lot of their moments with him looked better than with Capella um, just because he's more switchable than Clint is. Um, and he's – Offensively, he's coming along. Like, he's been a force on the glass now. Um, it was able to get Atlanta a lot of second shots. Uh, he's still uh, mistake-prone, I will say, offensively. And sometimes he does these he, – he always has to power up off of two feet, which is kind of annoying because he, he'll lose the advantage sometimes doing that. But I, I thought – given the quality of the opponent, I thought he had a pretty decent showing. Like, certainly I felt better about him than, say, about uh, John Collins – yeah, it'd be interesting to see with their continuing tax crunch how they decide to resolve the Okongu Capella situation at center. But they got to pay Okongu now too. He's extension eligible, but maybe you can get him for fifteen million. And that's yeah, I don't. Capella I don't think Capella. he's going to break the bank because he's just too limited offensively. Yeah, yeah, I think he'll be in that 
Rob Williams, Mitchell Robinson, Wendell Carter range, although he's not actually as good as any of those guys. But he, maybe he can evolve into it. It's only his third year. Okay, well, I guess when we next record, we'll probably at least have one of these series will be done. So surprising to me that the one series that's the biggest blowout right now is denver phoenix i thought that would be the closest i was so psyched for this series man like like i said i mean i flew to phoenix this this morning and i'm worried that i'm just here to write no bit so we'll we'll see what happens tonight oh that'll be interesting too that'll be but it it really would be a bummer if this team with booker and kd it just both of whom are awesome awesome players just gets completely swept out of the the playoffs like i'd like them to at least make a showing but i guess we'll know in in about six hours whether that has happened or not and if you're listening on the public feed please consider subscribing and that will get you every hollinger and duncan podcast not just a couple times a month and then you also will get every dunked on podcast with me and danny that's five days a week you get dan feldman and seth partners writing as well access to our cap sheets which will be invaluable going into the off season so hope you'll give us the, a subscription if you're listening to the public feed and if you're listening to Dunkin prime thanks so much for being a subscriber we'll talk to you all soon at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.